Hello and welcome to the Shaping Insights podcast presented by American Express, where we bring you expert perspectives on the latest trends in travel and luxury retail. I'm Laura Weir, editor and author based in London, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I will be speaking to Jean Revy, co-founder of Mad Network, the Paris-based leading consultancy in the luxury and retail sector. Advising brands since 2008, Jean and his co-founder Delphine Vitry originally met while working at storied fashion house Celine and since have made it their mission to enable the world's leading maisons and retailers to make the most of the consistent evolution of its clientele everywhere in the world. Known for their incredible expertise across a breadth of product categories, Mad Network has recently embarked on a series of studies analysing the retail and luxury sector, both current and future. And today, Jean is here to share some insights surrounding that landscape and what might come next for the industry. Hi, Jean. How are you today? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you so much. Super happy to be here for Amex to share the latest insights that we have collected on the future of the luxury world. So Jean, I've introduced you, but perhaps you might like to take a few seconds just to tell us a little bit more about MAD and the work you do. Very, very briefly. So we are currently the largest consulting team dedicated to luxury in the world. Uh, we have 50 consultants in-house, around four practices, which are strategy, which is our main activity. Uh, we do talent search. We do transformation learning, which is a new way of uh, bringing the talents and, and improving the talents within the companies. And we also have a practice of uh, expert interim managers uh, to help companies transform themselves uh, by putting some dedicated managers for a long period within the company. We work for all type of clients in the luxury world, all the big groups, LVMH, Kering, Chanel, a lot of independent brands as well, a lot of retailers, of course, and which is also very important. We have 25% of our turnover done in China with Chinese retailers. And so it helps us to really have a very global and international understanding of all the challenges of luxury. Sounds like an incredible company. And it's a real pleasure to talk to you today. So from a mad perspective, could you share a little bit about what insights uh, perhaps you can give on the COVID-19 pandemic and how that's affected luxury and retail and how brands are navigating this? Well, I will focus on luxury because our core business is really luxury. Of course, the current climate came as a shock, you know, shock for one simple reason. 90% of the luxury business is done in stores. If we talk about luxury goods, of course, having to close stores mean to get rid of 90% of your business. So business was strongly affected. And for most brands, even if the beginning of the year was excellent, depending on the shape of the rebound, the turnover will go down by 20 to 35% maybe versus last year. So I would say that for the luxury industries, luxury is a very profitable business with high margins and usually a lot of cash. So at the end of the year, even if the companies suffer, there shouldn't be too many deads. And I think this is a big difference when you compare that with, with other type of industries. It's quite resilient in a moment of crisis. But of course, uh, what I'm saying is different uh, geographical realities. Europe is extremely strongly hit by the loss of tourists. Uh, the business of the luxury industry in the main cities of Europe 
is more than 50% and for some stores more than 80% uh, based on tourists. So if you remove the tourists, you have to rely, rely on your local clients. Asia is very different. Different realities. And if you look at Japan, Korea, Hong Kong, of course, they are very strongly dependent on the Chinese tourists. So these countries on the short run will suffer. But on the contrary, if you look at Asia from a broader perspective, China, which is at the core of the Asian area for the luxury brands, is expecting to grow incredibly. We expect the domestic Chinese market to grow by almost 100%, almost double. So this will not compensate the loss of business that is done in Europe. But definitely the reality and the challenges that are facing the luxury brands are very different because in Europe, it's going to be really empty stores. And in China, it's going to be overcrowded stores. Both of situations are not good. Both of situations raise challenges, but the realities are very different. So you're talking about challenges. Is there anything positive or interesting shifts you've seen in consumer behaviours in e-commerce and retail on the back of the COVID pandemic? My, my opinion is that when there is something that is really, really bad, it's time to, to accelerate a few changes that were unavoidable for uh, the luxury industry. So, of course, I mean, every CEO I have talked to recently told me that the digital transformation has been engaged in a way that was not possible before. Companies that were already engaged in the digital transformation and quite advanced suffered less. And I think that now... Most luxury, traditional luxury brands in the fashion and accessories industry, in the watches and jewelry, in wines and spirits, are not pioneers at all in terms of digital. And now they have to move. They have to move. What is interesting also to notice is that when we speak about digital, we don't speak about e-commerce. If you look at China, that is maybe the most connected and digital-friendly country in the world right now. It was very striking to see that during the confinement there, uh, e-commerce, it grew, but it did not explode. And I think that was a very big lesson that all the omni-channel experience saw a real explosion with an access to contents, a willingness to spend time learning, discovering, understanding, sharing that was much, much stronger than before. So... Digital is a, is a word under which you can put a lot of things. E-commerce is only a part of it. It's more uh, having a pure and a true omnichannel experience. You would be surprised. We work with our clients and we do some, uh, some uh, omnichannel audits to see the difference between the contents that you find on the website, e-commerce site, Instagram, on the TikTok, on the, on the WeChat and on the store. And we believe that one of the big lessons of uh, the, the virus is the achievement of a true omnichannel era and an era that we would like to call the no-channel because we believe that there should be much more harmony between all the different channels. And of course, if I just can say one last word, in retail, the big change is that the store went from a transactional place to something which is more a platform, forcing the staff to work differently accessing and talking to the client by phone, by WeChat, by whatever technologies allow, but engage with customers one-to-one, -one, which is something super important with the customer they know, sending them some images of what they could find in stores, what could interest them because they know their taste, and doing something which is ultra-personalized, but based on uh, human connection. So how, how important is that shift into a truly personalized, digital-first era for luxury as a whole? For me, uh, luxury will never be 
digital first. There is nothing like a true luxury digital experience. It has not been invented yet, you know. When you go to their stores and you compare that to your uh, local store, there is a huge difference. The level of difference that you can achieve on, on online is not there yet. Luxury is truly emotional and it's truly multisensorial. So as long as you can't smell, touch, interact uh, with digital devices, you might not win the physical challenge. The elements are very complementary. They are not to be opposed. And definitely, I think that the, the reason why the store will remain something super important is all this emotional and sensorial content. Of course, maybe the 5G will allow to have some developments that are completely not imagined right now and that are uh, the future. But for now, you still want to touch the bag. You want to smell the perfume. You want to, to experience the skincare, to try on the bracelet or the earrings. You, you, you need that. And this is, once again, one of the big lessons of, the, of what happened in China is uh, during the confinement, uh, most people, they prepared their visiting stores for the end of the confinement. The importance of digital is super important because it helps prepare, connect, understand, choose, select, uh, inform yourself, share using digital. The moment of truth is still the combination of emotion and sensoriality that you can only get in store. And on a more practical level, you know, talking about store and retail, how do you feel brands can tackle the challenges with wholesale and overstocking that have become apparent? Alors, this is a very, very important point that affects the different categories of luxury in a very, very, very different way. The biggest challenge, actually, of wholesale is not the stock, is the access to customer information and to data. To be able to create this relationship, to know them, to collect enough data, to better understand them, better address their needs, better anticipate their needs. You know, it's interesting to understand that luxury is a supply market. Nobody expects anything to come to the market and fulfill any need. So the luxury industry has been forever product-centric and not client-centric. So the point is not to know your client and their expectation, it's to bring something that they don't expect. And you don't find something they don't expect, but asking them what they want. So all the model of luxury is actually built on that. Nevertheless, in the last 10 years, everything that concerns the ability of brands to engage with their clients, to provide them a good experience, has been heavily challenged by the practices of digital players like Amazon or by Apple, you know, who know so many things about you that they can serve you better when you come to store. And I think that the challenge with wholesale is not so much not to have a problem with stocks, is to have a problem with the access to customer and customer information. And of course, this is very, very, very different if you look at the different categories. Huh? If you look at fashion and accessories, the, the ones that are called the big six, you know, uh, Vuitton, Dior, Chanel, Hermès, uh, Prada and Gucci, these brands, they are almost only in retail. And it's also true for the leading fashion and accessories brand. They have their own distribution network. So for them, stock and the wholesale is not a problem. Watches and jewelry is much more complicated because currently 70% of their business is done in retail. So what they do is first they are lowering the number of partners in distribution to make sure that they only work with the best, the best being the people that are able to deliver the best brand experience, so that are able not to speak only about their multi-brand store, but also able to be a great Cartier, Gégère Le Coultre or IWC ambassador. They are working with people who are open to share a lot of information about their clients. And they are working with people who can build 
long-term partnership in order to better manage the stock and the inventory because this is one of the big topics and especially in this industry where the inventory has such a high value. Beauty is also strongly depending on wholesale, you know, and uh, most of the big brands now, first they move to e-commerce where they manage their own stores sometimes. And of course, they start their own physical stores. And we can see that there is a large movement, especially in Asia right now, of the big brands, Dior, Chanel, uh, opening their own four-wall stores uh, with their own staff. It's still a very small part of their business, but it's a big change in terms of culture and in terms of managing the client relationship, managing uh, the experience that they will use to reinvent their relationship with their distributors. And last one is wine and spirits, which is from far the furthest industry from their clients. You know, they are distributed by distributors who themselves are distributors with no connection to the end client. They don't even know which products are shown to the clients at the end of the day. So this is a super big challenge for them. And we are currently shaping up uh, the direct-to-consumer strategy with one of the leading uh, companies in the world. Inventories here are not so much a problem for wholesale. The big question is more connecting with the clients. It's so interesting. Are there any other trends on a more general level that your teams and yourself are seeing that are shaping and will continue to shape the retail and luxury landscape? Yeah, for, for us, there are four main trends that are the new rules of the game, I would say, for the luxury industry in the coming years. The first one I spoke briefly about it is the relocation of a most a Chinese abroad purchase within mainland China. That means the Chinese luxury market will boom uh, in China. And before, in the luxury industry, we're talking about the Chinese. Now the question will be China. It's very different. Uh, because uh, before, we were considering that 75% of the buying of the purchase by the Chinese were done abroad. Uh, it's going to move down to 50%, which means the inner market will double. And that means that the inner market might reach uh, 60 billion euros and going to the 80 billion that are the, the US very soon. So, so it's, it's a very big market and it will be a challenge for the luxury brands to address such a growth in such a small time. It will need to change a lot of things, including in terms of governance and organization. Luxury brands are all about control. You know, they need to control the image very strongly. Uh, in China, the need of speed of the local market needs quick decisions. And if you don't have an organization that you trust and that is strong enough in China, you will not be able to catch the train. And if you don't catch a train, your competitors will win. So the real challenge of China will be an organizational challenge. Then, of course, it's a digital challenge that I mentioned before. We know that there is still a lot of work to be done. We know also that there are very different uh, realities behind digital. Of course, there is all the back office optimization of stock, optimization of information flows, knowing which product is where at which time to allow uh, the brands to be able to provide the right product at the right time in the right store. You know, This is something that is absolutely a must and most brands are engaged into that. Then there are two other elements. First, all the elements that are uh, happening in stores, which are all the elements that support the experience. So are there digital devices, moments of experience that can pop up and, and change the way to engage with customers within stores? Definitely, but pay attention to gimmicks. Uh, there is a, a lot of risks that it becomes gimmicky. So it only makes sense if it's strongly linked to the brand identity and strongly included in the selling ceremony, so in the process of selling. Then, of course, we spoke about the e-commerce. 
and we know that there are many ways today to engage in digitally with your clients that are not just a website, but typically the live streams, the live sales that have seen in China, with, which are bringing some added value by having a KOL uh, that helps sell the products. It's very good for beauty. It's not so strong for the moment in other categories of the luxury industry because uh, it needs a level of quality to achieve the luxury standards that it's, might still not be there. And last point about digital, it's all the communication and of course the contents and of course the strategy that needs to be once again super carefully managed. So digital has many differences and I think all of them represent uh, key challenges for the luxury industry. So the third trend that I would like to share with you, and it's true all around the world, is uh, the need to focus back on local customers. The focus to local customers means new ways of working, new roles of the staff, new ways of organizing the stores. It also means new KPIs. It also means uh, a new distribution structure and maybe the restructuration of some networks in Europe, you know. The luxury brands have been investing massively in the last years. I mean, if you've been in Paris, to Paris recently or in the last five years, there were hoardings on Avenue Montaigne or on Place Vendôme all the time for innovation and for the birth of incredible flagships. These stores are not going to be amortized. And uh, the return on, on uh, uh, capital on these stores will be actually quite low. So there is a need to rethink the use of these stores and see what we can do inside that might maybe speak more to local customers uh, by creating some local events, some uh, different ways to create experiences. So there, there, there needs to be a deep reflection on how to optimize the surfaces that have been created then. And in China, the challenge is different, is too much traffic will be expected. So how can I maximize the efficiency of my operations while keeping a minimum quality of experience with stores that are over-visited? It's a topic we, we worked on a few years ago with uh, one of the leading fashion brands that was facing uh, a boom of its clientele, and it's a very interesting topic to work on. And I would say that the last trend that is going to be one uh, new uh, rule of the game for the luxury industry is a brand purpose, understanding what brand stands for. It's something that we, we all hear that there will be a search of meaning, a search of sense, something that we need to bring some more deep contents behind the only superficial fashion feel that you get from the luxury industry. It's true that luxury has a lot of things to tell in terms of uh, history, in terms of patrimony, in terms of preservation of know-how. Uh, but the mission of each brand is something that is, as strange as it may seem, very poorly formalized today. The brands are very strong, but they never dared to put words on what they really stand for. And uh, when we work with luxury brands, we are writing the brand platform for brands that are legends, you know, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect one second not to have done this work. And, and it's funny to see that the time has come now to really put on paper what your brand will stand for, how you can differentiate from your competitors, what are the type of emotions you can bring, the type of, of positions you can take uh, versus social or societal issues. And I think that it is something that is expected by the clients. And we saw uh, Gucci work a lot on that uh, with a great success. And, and I think that most brands now are expecting to have a clear uh, position. Some brands have thought about it. They know internally. And I think that the next step 
will be also to be able to share it with the client. And when you visit a store, not to have a speech about the latest bag or the latest uh, skincare product, but also the reason why it's there and the reason why it's, it's, it's something that is made for the good of something, you know. That's absolutely fascinating. And yeah, totally where I think it's, it's going as well around this shaping the story of the product that you're buying and where you're buying it from. Um, what are the exciting developments or innovations in the market that you're seeing emerge? So those more micro uh, trends and, and where should businesses consider focusing in the future? So perhaps years out from this moment. Uh, the, the luxury industry... I will say that with a lot of respect. Huh? It's not the most innovating one. One of the characteristics of the luxury industry is a quest of control and perfection. And that does not go with quick innovation. Test and learn, for instance, is not something which is in the culture of luxury brands. They don't test because they want things to be perfect. So the, the approach of innovation is quite different in luxury because usually the luxury industry waits for innovation to be proven, efficient and enough developed in other industries to adopt it. So I think that we cannot expect from the luxury industry to be the cradle for new innovations in the future. Nevertheless, what I think might be a new type of experience that the brand could bring and what could be a big innovation in the business would be a diversification into experiential luxury. So we spoke a lot about, you know, clients, luxury clients wanting more experience than products. And so luxury travels, luxury hotels, luxury restaurants, blah, blah, blah. It's very interesting to see that um, last year Vuitton opened a restaurant in Osaka that Dior has already a few cafes, including in Tokyo and in Korea, that there is nothing in Europe. And maybe that would be first one way to bring customers back to the stores. And then we could imagine something, you know, that is built on the brand's history, on the cultural content of the brands, to create new streams of businesses at the limit of culture, hospitality, know-how, history. You know, maybe tomorrow... I don't know, you will have uh, the possibility to buy uh, a Chanel way to discover Paris. Or Vuitton being uh, um, very strongly anchored in travel, maybe help you understand and experience what a true Vuitton travel would be. So I believe that there is a, a possibility for the brand to build on their assets, to build on their maison, on their patrimony also. They have, you know, uh, if you look at the wine and, and spirits industries, they have a lot of castles around, the, around France uh, where you can emerge clients into the brand with a lot of new ways to engage with the brand. And I think that if there was something that could be like different from all the products that the luxury industry is currently focusing on, this could be an opening, you know, this experiential luxury and, and the way to, uh, to really leave the brand from inside with a 360 discovery uh, immersed in a, a central journey. Jean, thank you so much for sharing some incredible thoughts and insights with us today on the Shaping Insights podcast. It's been a pleasure speaking to you and hearing about all of the amazing work that you're doing. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Laura. It was a pleasure too. We very much hope you enjoyed the Shaping Insights podcast presented by American Express. Don't do business without it. <laughs>